0: time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. And good evening, everybody. It is Sunday night. It is 8 o'clock, although it feels like 7 o'clock. And it is time for episode 248 of... The Ron and Brian Podcast. Brian, how are you doing tonight, my friend?
1: I'm doing splendid. I'm doing absolutely splendid. I had a great weekend. I spent yeah. it with some 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 people that I, I, I love and care about that I hadn't seen in a little bit. In a hot minute, as they like to say. So um, it was, uh, uh, I I am crushing this Sunday evening, irregardless of what time it is. Irregardless.
0: All right. Good to hear. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. You want to just get right into things? We've got a jam-packed show today. Uh, we just should really get right into it. We're going
1: to run out of things. We're going to run out of time. Um, but the one thing that is, is most important is that I find out, what are you drinking? Drink of the week. Salud. <laughs> Drink of the week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Drink of the week. Drink of the week. Drink of the week. Drink of the week. Ryan, uh, you first, my friend. What what are you drinking today? I am going with the tried, the yeah. true
1: Ooh, Guinness in a bottle. Let me see how this is. I haven't had Guinness in a bottle really? for a while. Everybody okay. knows. I you know, it to me Guinness has always yeah. been a um uh, it's a it's a pub beer, right? You get it. You you get it uh, dr- uh, poured out of a keg. You get that drafts, uh, you know, uh, uh, flavor. Um, But I've poured this glass. That's right. It's a beer, people. This is not coffee. This isn't soda. This is Guinness, which like is a dr- I like beer. It's a dry Irish stout, although to the initiated, it may look dark and heavy. It actually tastes deliciously light and smooth, swirling with notes of roast barley. Caramel, coffee, and chocolate. The net result is a flavorful stout that's as approachable as a lager, which has long been one of the world's great pub beers. Coming in at 4.2 ABV, this, ladies and gentlemen, is Guinness Draft.
0: I've always been a fan of it, obviously, on tap, but I find the cans and the bottles aren't too bad either. Oh, this isn't bad. Yeah, exactly. I think that little uh, nitrous uh, cartridge they put in there uh, to give it that... uh, Whatever the gas infusion is, yeah. tends to work well.
1: It's much better than the um than the lactose that you like to put into your beers.
0: You're not a fan of lactose. I'm not quite no, sure no why. No. I'm not, not quite no. sure why you persecute me over it, but hey, this this is you. This is who you've decided to be, and that's that's just how it is. Hmm.
1: Ron? Yes. What are you drinking?
0: Uh, I went for a twofer this week, Brian. I hope you don't mind me indulging myself. Uh, you know, you uh, you all came down for my birthday weekend, and I received some uh, some gifts uh, that were uh, alcohol of nature. Uh, one uh, from our good friends, the Jardies from Levante Brewing Company out of Westchester. They're cloudy. And cumbersome IPA. Uh, it's a New England style IPA. It clocks in at a five point nine percent. It's actually one of my go-to IPAs. If I'm out and I'm feeling like an IPA, um, and it's on tap, I'm gonna drink that cloudy and cum- uh, cumbersome.
1: Oh, that looks cloudy. Mm. That looks cloudy. I um, one at time point. when I was in one time I was in Mexico and I drank the water, and uh, what I was expelling kind of had a similar uh, um, transparency.
0: You had a uh, you had a cloudy and cumbersome, Brian. What were your thoughts? No. More importantly, you answer, Ron. Oh, what I enjoy You it. think of this? Uh, beer? Not too hoppy, not too bitter. It's nice mm-hmm. and smooth. Good body, good flavor. Uh, again, one one that I'm going to drink when I'm drinking more than one.
1: I will say this: it was one of the few IPAs where I sat there and I said to myself, I would drink a second one of these. There you go.
0: That's that's saying something. Coming from absolutely. Family. And then you were nice enough, sir, you and your lady, uh, to get me a bottle of Espolon Cristalino, uh, 100% agave tequila from Mexico. So, And I, also I,
1: keep in mind, that is the opposite of your um, cloudy IPA. That thing yeah. is almost completely see-through. I mean, That's- it is
0: like, I mean, I've got my big-ass uh, ice cube in there because I do like it on ice. Mm. Uh, so this is my very first try. I just cracked the the, the bottle open this evening. And let's see. Does he like? Oh, that's good. Is it? Yeah, you you, you chose right. well, my friend.
1: All right, good, good. You know, I my new thing is I've gotten a little older in life is um, let the experts do the work for you. Sure. Um, you know, I walked into a liquor store where I have received some good advice in the past on um, some whiskeys, on some uh, bottles of wine, whatnot. So I walked in there, I described the situation I said that my friend is a tequila fan. I want to impress. Um I do not want to get anything that I believe he already has. Right. And I also don't want something that I have seen um influencers drinking at clubs. Cuz he 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 went to that large white and blue bottle. Yeah. And I just was like, no no no. I was like, my friend's not 22 female <laughs> um who's uh, uh what do you call it? Um got an only fans i said this is this has to be about the flavor of this mm-hmm. um so you're enjoying
0: yeah i mean it is okay. uh not bitter it uh, doesn't sting, but gives you that nice that nice warmth uh you want from a, a nice sipping mm. tequila so i will uh, i will be enjoying this bottle thank you excellent i'm glad to hear that that makes All me right. happy and uh, also um uh,
1: yeah. ron what are you
0: yeah. wearing What am I wearing? Well, you were also nice enough to buy me a The Champ Is Here t-shirt, which I'm uh, wearing this evening. Um, Yes. And as we discussed, you know, you bought it with the thoughts that maybe I would still have uh, the title belt. But even though I don't have the belt, I think being a champion is a state of mind, not just a title.
1: Exactly. You're the champ of your home. Yes. Yes. Um, you will be champ again. I mean, I'm the champ of this box on the left of your screen. Of course, um, you uh, you still pull uh, most of the punches. Um, you know, I think you. Uh, I think it's going to be. I think one of the things that people on the podcast have seen um, so far during my reign is that um, you know I'm a I'm a little looser, you know, than uh, your approach to the uh, championship. Um, I'm a little bit more um, allowing of others. Right. Um, uh, I very much want to create a space Where, where people are seen uh, You know feel like they're being heard um, I don't want to necessarily say a safe Space but uh, You know uh, not one it. where a, Close to it but yeah. not one where an autocrat Is making um, uh, Dictatorial rules that all must follow all So right. um, so I just want you to know You're still champ in my mind
0: Alright well thank you uh, Let's get it moving on It's time for Beef of the Week
1: and Brian's Beef of the Week.
0: Brian, what's (laughs) bothering you this week?
1: Okay. Um, One of the stories that has been going on uh, pretty much over the past, I would say, three days has been the Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, That is, um, I believe it was the – it had been ranked – the 16th largest bank in the country um, within the past three days, experiencing a run on deposit withdrawals um, uh, uh, being borderline insolvent and federal regulators on Friday, shut it down um, basically uh, uh, not allowing it to um, uh, uh, be in business anymore, acting as a financial institution. Um and uh, one of the things right off the bat, you were starting to see were sob stories. Now this bank had specialized in funding startups in uh, uh, technology Hot companies. Tech, this yeah. is yeah, 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 it was what it was. It was the sector that they kind of um, uh, uh, worked with And one of the things you automatically started seeing were these um, uh, small uh, uh, company owners being, like, oh, I had four million dollars in my bank account and and. Oh, the federal government's telling me I'm only going to get $250,000. i am not going to be able to pay my bills that way. Oh, I only have $25 million. Oh. And And um, one of the things that Treasury Secretary Yellen um, immediately announced uh, yesterday was that the federal government was not going to be insuring um, all of the deposits, that they were not going to be bailing out this bank, that this bank was going to go down – And um, a lesson was going to have to be learned. Those people who are in the know understand that the FDIC insured um, cap on bank account deposits is 250,000. It used to be hundred thousand. right um, I was researching earlier today. There was actually um, increase to 250,000. Um, and uh, I was very disappointed earlier today when it was announced by the um, Treasury secretary um, and her department that indeed the federal government is going to be ensuring the uh, deposits of all uh, account holders with the bank. That the federal government was going to make a good on all 250 billion dollars that the bank had in um, uh, deposits, regardless, irregardless, excuse me, of how many um, of how many uh, 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 funds were actually active in the bank. Um, I think we've gone on uh, months. I think if you go back to uh, when we did our. Uh, uh, you know, fourth anniversary show in 1998 when I did my whole hour on fractional banking. Yes. How, um, still, a it flash. was just one of, still
0: one of our was, most downloaded episodes.
1: It was an epic rant about how um, uh, it, it should be true. It's morally uh, uh, corrupt for banks to be able to create money by, um, in in some instances, uh, lending out at an eight to one ratio money that they had um, uh, uh, in deposits within the bank, um, literally creating money um, as if they were printing it themselves. It's But let's not talk about that. No. Um, so I actually was out there and be like, well, here's a bank that um, made a big uh, uh, bet on uh, low interest rates that uh they had uh lost i believe it was um uh 20 billion dollars that they had been um uh i could be i think that's a, a big number i'm not really sure I'm, I'm i'm right on that one um but that they had to um but they had made a bet on uh low interest rates right. and the uh um the the bonds that they had purchased were coming up and were basically worthless um, as they were going to have to rebuy at much a larger interest rates. But this isn't the financial hour. I'm not Jim Cramer. But it is my rant this week, my beef of the week, is that once again, the federal government is going to come and bail out with their big coffers um, another bank, another financial institution that basically was pretty happy running on its own, keeping profits for itself, Um, not basically, um, uh, they were not playing 50-50 with the federal government. Um, If things went well for banks, they keep the money, they profit themselves. And when things go bad, the federal government steps in and taxpayer Joe and Jane um, get to foot the bill. Um, Just outraging me because when push comes to shove, um, the actual taxpayer gets screwed by the federal government. We got um, $600 uh, during the pandemic, um, and yet the banks are going to get billions of dollars. And there's already talk that Signature Bank is going down, um, First Republic, I think, in Portland or the Pacific, somewhere there. So I expect a very busy week on Wall Street, a lot of banking industry, um, you know, uh, small uh, uh, small companies will be going out. Um, yeah. It's a scary time. Uh,
0: we had asked Matt, our producer, to shift. Uh, the considerable funds in the podcast account yep. into a, an account in the Cayman Islands um he unfortunately was a little coked up at the time uh moved it to the Canary Islands uh we are now uh, uncertain as to if we will see that money again either but yeah i mean it's 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 joe public it's joe q public sure that ends up paying the price at the end of the day
1: yeah that it's it genuinely um a, a visceral uh, uh anger there ron
0: yes what's bothering you so my beef of the week, and 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 I mean this beef with love, I guess I should preface this by making that statement. Is uh, my beef is attempting to teach a new game to a table full of drunk people. So we had the please speak more. We had a little uh, we had a little get together for my birthday this weekend. Uh, we're playing some games. One of them, a new game called You Lie Sack. Uh, It was a joint venture between Penn of Penn and Teller and the folks that made Exploding Kittens and some other games. Um, And I had to attempt to explain it to the people at the table uh, who said, oh, let's just play a practice round. And uh, I think an hour later, we were still attempting to get through the practice round uh, with with most of the table trying to understand what the dice was being used for. Uh, It was very it was stressful. There was there was yelling I think there was probably some cursing there was you were getting of- you
1: were definitely getting upset <laughs> you were definitely getting upset and now it can I can I as one of the drunk people at the table sure okay first off um you were leaving out that we played a very fun game before oh we did this yeah yes. this wasn't a start we started playing what is it called um, it's called
0: left right center
1: it is played with um three dice that ha- are marked with either a C, an L, an R, or a uh, a dot. Then you roll the dice. You're sitting with three um, individual $1 bills. And based on the roll, you either tr- get, move a dollar to the left, to the right. Uh, you put it in the center. Um, it's a nice little uh, – It's I, I wouldn't say it's a gambling game. I would say it's a game of chance. Correct. Correct. Um, but you had, it was a game where, what were you we eight people at the table? Eight people, each putting up $3. Everybody was having a good time. They were. We had played multiple times, and everybody was enjoying themselves. I would say it was, it was getting raucous in a good way.
0: It was, it was definitely raucous. Um, I would say some individuals were, were very intense. Uh, I think some individuals were sweating profusely. Um, I think some individuals were uh, handing more of their money to others than some.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not going to say who. I was. I, I got a little stressed out. I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> I think lie, the I best. Got a so out.
0: I won the first round. So that was sure. exciting, of course. We let uh, you
1: in because it was your
0: birthday. I believe Matt won the second game. My favorite was the third game where it came down to where you had a dollar and somebody else on the other side of the table had a dollar. I believe it was one of the Jardies. So that means whoever rolls the center is going to win the pot. Instead, Correct. Brian Brian rolls an R, gives me his dollar. the The Correct. turn goes around to the other side of the table, and the person with the other dollar throws a C, giving me the win right off the bat. Yep, you didn't even have to do anything.
1: You just said you damn
0: thing with people calling it with people cursing. Did Brian have back sweat? Oh yeah, ah oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely did. But see, this is where the uh this is where you made a uh, you a very tactical error is that while we were still having fun playing this game, you were like, "All right, now let's go pl- let's let's let, let's break out this new game that none of you have ever played or heard of." What you did not do, and I don't mean to victim blame here, but no. I'm going to victim blame you. All right. You did not look at the uh, instructions well enough to grasp the concept that this was a semi-confusing game for people who were going to be as inebriated <laughs> as that table was. Had that table been full of sober people, I don't believe you would have had a problem. I mean, However, I, you're taking I, I, people I who are at the
0: room better. I could Sure, sure. This you, you did much. not
1: do. You basically said, like, hey, this is my birthday weekend. I just bought this game and I want us to play this game. And we respected that until you started to take out the game and you started showing us how it's played in the rules. And first off, the rules were uh, confusing. The, the idea here is you, there's a uh, brightly colored yellow sack. I would say it's like a burlap material, like a nylon-y burlap-y kind of thing. And inside are red triangle foam pieces. There are a whole slew of them, and there's one blue plastic piece. What you're supposed to do is take out a number of the foam pieces or the blue piece. And then you have to hold your hand up and ask the person, do they want to take the foam pieces in your hand or do they want to bet that you're holding the blue instead? Not really a great game to begin with, but, <laughs> like, but there was also it's a board. Game, you know. But there was a board, there was a dial, you're rolling a dice, people were very confused as to the purpose of this dice. And then, and the worst part, and this is where I think you have to um, once again, read the room, is that people started to pick up that you were getting a little frustrated. (laughs) Listen, I'm just saying. And for people like myself, when I see that everybody in the room is having fun and one person is taking things a little too seriously, I'm just going to start poking and prodding. So that's at that point where I started asking you um, uh, questions about the game that I knew you had already answered. Uh, But it was just fun to watch you just get a little angrier and a little
0: angrier each time. The thing was, is I switched the game mostly for your benefit. Uh, I saw what the stress of the game was doing to you Um, at one point. Uh, your lady leaned over, ran her head across your forehead, not realizing how much you were sweating, uh, and seemed disgusted at the time. <laughs> uh, the, the, the people, uh, although I will say, uh, my wife and, uh, one of the members of the Jardies, uh, were saying that they were going to take me out back and kill me if I won again. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was tense. It was just very, very tense.
1: But, it, but I would say also a very good time.
0: Also a very good time without a doubt.
1: Yes. A doubt. Also, um, let's let's acknowledge Allie here for a moment. I am a tremendous friend.
0: Yeah, I mean, she 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 sees it. She calls it as it is. Yes. Um, congratulations going out to uh, Lauren Boebert, representative from Colorado. Uh, last week at CPAC, she called to cut funding to schools that taught students comprehensive sex education, and now mm-hmm. this week. At a Moms for America event, uh, she announced that her son, Tyler, is going to be making her a 36-year-old grandmother come April.
1: Now, this is the same woman who is voting against sex education in schools, Right. right? It is um, once again, these people genuinely do believe that anytime God grants a life onto this planet, it is a beautiful thing. As long as the baby stays in utero, we've spoken about this before, um, but there is absolutely nothing to be shamed by a 16 year old boy becoming a father. Um, the age of the girl that he has gotten pregnant has not been um disclose other than Lauren Boebert has said that the girl is older than fourteen.
0: Well that's good at least.
1: Um this is not good.
0: <laughs> well I mean older than fourteen. I mean it's you have to try and find a little bit of uh of decency where you can. Ron, I was not ready to be a father
1: at thirty two, um, let alone when I was half that at sixteen. This is a child. This is a child having a baby. Um and his mother who's a fucking just a, a human sponge for a brain, um, is gonna be a grandmother at what is she thirty-two? Uh thirty-six. Thirty-six. Oh my
0: goodness. And she apparently also, according to her, made her mother a grandmother at the age of thirty-six as well. Fucking hell. Which so if you do the math, so that means Lauren Boebert was nineteen when she had her son. That would have sure. mean Lauren Boebert's mother was seventeen when she had her. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a a long tradition of teen pregnancies in the Boebert family.
1: So then isn't she saying that that wrestler impregnated her mother when she was 17?
0: Um, I guess uh, sweet Stan Lane, I believe, is the uh, wrestler you're thinking of. Allegedly. Allegedly. See, I, I mean, never, I don't remember Stan Lane. Uh, he was, uh, it was more uh, NWA, more... Uh, yeah, from the south. From the south, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, right now, is- Billy
1: is furiously typing. <laughs> <He's> furious. <laughs> no, no, that's not true because Billy is distracted right now because it's WrestleMania. No, it's not WrestleMania. It's
0: Academy Awards. Not WrestleMania? Not yet. No, yeah, you, you have a couple of weeks still. Oh, really? I thought this was WrestleMania. No, you are incorrect. I'm, I, I don't want to correct you, but you are wrong.
1: Okay. Oh no, no, no. Right. it's, it's. it's it, I don't know everything, but uh, there we go. Did a little Wikipedia search, and nice. Yeah, sweet sand, 69. Nice.
0: All right. Um, Brian, what what was your favorite story of this past week? We're going to have to going all the way up to
1: New Fairfield, Connecticut, um, where uh, my uh, story of the week involves uh, my favorite lunch lady – Uh, New Fairfield. Do you have a photo? Do we have a photo? Can we put one up? You you see right off the bat. See, this is a misleading photo, Ron, because right off the bat, people are going to recognize this as a mugshot.
0: (laughs) They are. Yes.
1: So right off the bat, we're going to know that this woman has been arrested. You are looking at Andy Page Rosefort, who is 31 years old. And up until earlier this week, she was a lunch lady in New Fairfield, Connecticut at the local middle school, New Fairfield Middle School. What was she arrested for, you say? Well, she was arrested for sexually assaulting a 14-year-old boy who was a freshman at her school. Uh, Police came across nude photographs and videos that Rosafort had been sending to the boy via Instagram and Snapchat over a recent six-month period. The boy, who was 14 at the time, said that she um, uh, uh, had struck up a conversation, a dialogue with him, um, had obtained his social media credentials, and they went back and forth. Then one day out of nowhere, asked him, quote-unquote, want to see something and before he had a chance to reply she sent him a nude photograph of herself um, he responded and this is in the in the uh, uh, the police documents the boy responded um, oh I think you sent me something by mistake at which point he immediately received, Another naked photo of Andy Page-Roseford. Um, so apparently she ha- is charged with sexually assaulting him. They had multiple sexual encounters, allegedly, um, including in her car during the school day. Um, and what's worse, what's truly disgusting is um, she also sent him videos of her herself masturbating um, to a 14-year-old boy. And what's really terrible is that at, the, is at, at 14, I had to look for um, uh, 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 bra catalogs, um, you know, to, to to find masturbatory material when I was 14. you give me some relief? Let, let alone this woman sending nude videos. Um, and uh, let's just say that, uh, you know, uh, she was immediately fired from her job. Um, right. And she has been ruled uh, by a judge banned from interacting with any children other than her own
0: probably a good thing
1: now i know it's very easy for a as a white male to sit there and make some jokes of hey the lunch ladies didn't look like that when i was in school or uh hey i uh i don't know how bad i feel for this kid uh, I, I i i wouldn't have minded that when i was 14 but this is still sexual assault It's a it crime is. it's a child she's an adult um and this woman deserves to be behind bars ron
0: yes What's your story of the week? So my story of the week, Brian, uh, involves a bill that would have prohibited minors from getting married in the state of West Virginia. Uh, Currently... Uh, Children can marry as young as age 16 in West Virginia with parental consent. Makes perfect sense. Anyone younger than that must also get a judge's waiver. Uh, Democratic uh, Delegate Kayla Young in the state Senate uh, put forth a bill that would prohibit that. It passed the state Senate and then was uh, rejected by the Republican-dominated Senate Judiciary Committee on a 9-8 vote. Um, so now there will be, uh, as she says, quote, for now, there will be no floor for the age of marriage in West Virginia, um, endangering our kids.
1: Just, I, I cannot understand at this point, what is the
0: logic for a Republican being against this bill? Um, so, you know, basically... What some of the bill's opponents argued is that teenage marriages are part of life in West Virginia. Uh, Kanawha County Republican Senator Mike Stewart, uh, a former federal prosecutor who sided with the majority, said his vote, quote, Hmm. wasn't a vote against women. He said his mother was married when she was 16. And, quote, six months later, I came along. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Oh, Fuck. So the bill would have established just, just, no. that 18 is the age of consent and removed the ability of a minor to obtain consent through either parents, legal guardians or court petition. All existing legal marriages would still be honored. Well hey, that's that makes sense. Yeah. Um, although recent Jesus. figures are unavailable, according to the Pew Research Center, West Virginia had the highest rate of child marriages among the states back in 2014, when the state's mm-hmm. five-year average was 7.1 marriages for every 1,000 children ages 15 to 17.
1: <sighs> Fucking hell! I mean, this—it's w- like we're getting worse. We're getting worse as a as as an entity.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I, I'm not quite sure how you can argue uh, making the age of consent or the age of marriage 18. I I,
1: I don't understand it. it. It 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 just doesn't make. S- I'm just struggling with the logic here.
0: Yeah, and it's a, a good good point from Janelle. Also, out in Arkansas, uh, where Sarah Huckabee Sanders recently signed a bill, uh, kind of changing the child labor laws, allowing kids under 12 now to work. What? You didn't see that in the news? No. Yeah. Run that by me again. So it lowered because I think in I think the age the earliest age you can get working papers is uh, fourteen. I think it has moved that bar down to like ten or eleven for for certain jobs. Not every job. Um, I think you can operate. Um, I think you can get your forklift certification at age eleven. Still. Sure. Sure. Um, I think drill presses, things like that. Uh, but you cannot. Uh, work the door at a drag show. I believe that's where they draw the line in Arkansas.
1: Oh my goodness! But they're going after drags, but they can <laughs> say that it's that a ten-year-old child should go
0: off to work. I mean, why not? Listen, in Arkansas, you know, if anybody works, you know, because it's such a it's such a uh, taking needy state, we need to collect more taxes from everybody there. Fuck! Um,
1: it's just so. It's I don't know. It's. Boggles my mind. It just boggles the mind. Uh,
0: everyone this past week talking about the story of the group of Americans uh, who were kidnapped at gunpoint uh, during a terrifying shootout uh, between cartel members on the Mexican mm-hmm. border. Uh, two of them uh, found dead, two returned. Um, the story has gone all over the board. The the initial yes. story Uh, was that um, uh, a person by the name of Latavia McGee was due for surgery on that Friday. And she Mm -hmm. was with her friends, uh, Shaid Woodard and Zindel Brown, who were killed, and also uh, Eric James McGee, uh, going for a tummy tuck, apparently, driving from South Carolina uh, to Mexico for a tummy tuck, uh, and then getting kidnapped and two of them killed by the cartel. Uh, ever since then, uh, social media has been throwing out a lot of interesting information. Brian, I know you have been following this story extensively. What I may is, have. What is the current theory on what's going on with these uh, these four individuals?
1: Okay. Uh, if we're talking about the, the the government, the U.S. government, they um, apparently they are sticking to the story that these um, uh, individual citizens have put forth that they were going down there for medical treatment um if you listen to what is is being spoken about on black tiktok now you know it's one of the tiktoks that i i always want to be um in touch with right on um on social media black tiktok is saying that these four were down there to buy drugs and this is a drug deal gone wrong um a- apparently the um the medical office that they were going to um does not do surgical procedures on Fridays. So the idea that these whip that this woman and her three male friends were going down to this border town for a uh, tummy tuck um, allegedly um, does not jive with the, pra- with the ongoing practices of the medical office, as well as the fact that the medical office allegedly has said that this woman had no um, appointment whatsoever. And when she reached out to the um, doctor's office, they didn't know who she was. So um, and then also, and this is just a little something I'm just going to throw on there. I don't believe it's relevant, but apparently the three males all have extensive drug arrests in their background.
0: Well, that, that's um, a typical I don't think it's relevant. Uh, media hunt down right there. A
1: typical media hunt down, meaning like,
0: they, what? They, like whenever something happens to uh, blacks in this country, they typically automatically go for their uh, their arrest records.
1: Oh, okay. Well, then I guess I just
0: fell right into that trap, <laughs> and now I feel bad. Um, what, Shame what, on me! Shame what, on me! What was surprising was the uh, the cartel. Uh, turning over five of their members to police and saying, we're sorry. Uh, Big mistake on our part. Listen,
1: there is, you know, I've seen I've seen a lot of uh, commentary that, you know, there is an unspoken, undocumented agreement between the cartels and the federales, as you would down in Mexico, which is do not go after Americans and do not um, uh, uh do not part, you know, don't go after any tourist attractions. Right. Let the American tourists come down. Let them um, go to Acapulco, go to Cancun. Um, do not disrupt their, um, the time that they have there um, because um, the dollars there that they're pumping into the economy are uh, are significant as well as it is bad for business for all involved for the um, American federal government to come down there and start asking questions. That it's nobody has anything to gain by the FBI coming down to Mexico to start asking about people's business. So um, uh, it was quickly seen that the uh, whoever was involved in this had fucked up rather largely, um, which is why they had turned over those five cartel members so quickly in hopes that this story dies down.
0: Well, we will keep an eye on it and see how the story plays out. Whether we get the actual story or if we get any follow up at all, we'll, uh, we'll. You
1: know what? We will out. probably get a result of it is a um, Netflix documentary in about <laughs> oh, yeah. four years. Yeah. About four years, we'll get a documentary where it'll be like Metamorssa. What really happened? Yes, we'll keep an eye. Eight episodes.
0: We'll DVR that. Sure. Um, it last- leads
1: me to my next question, Ron.
0: Yes. What are you watching? Um. So this past week, uh, I watched the documentary on MH370, uh, the Malaysian uh, plane that disappeared. How long ago was that now? Seven years? Nine that years? That was, I believe it was nine years. Nine I think, years ago.
1: I think that was 2014.
0: Yeah. So it was a three-episode uh, docuseries. Um, talking about different theories because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we still don't really know what happened, no. where the plane is, where the, where the, uh, the remains of the passengers are. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I think. I it's mean, a-, a little,
1: a little backstory is that it's a flight that took off from Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia on its way to Beijing. I think it's like a six hour flight. And right as it was going, um, it had entered the space between um, Malaysian airspace and Chinese or Vietnamese, I think it was Vietnamese airspace. Yes. Um, the flight immediately, thank you very much, um, uh, the flight disappears. Right. So there was, abs- you know, it, it was in this small, very small window of time when there was absolutely, um, when it was off different radars.
0: Right. In no man's land, they called it. Right.
1: I will say. No no persons. No persons. Thank you. I don't want to be I don't want to be I don't want to be genderist.
0: Correct. Correct. Uh, I believe it was a few years ago uh, that no man's land asked to be referred to as no person's land. There we go. And and Ali thought that was a nice transition when that happened. Very nice. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, I I know you watched it, too, Brian. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts were on it. I think. Um, the fact that we are deeply into the disinformation age, that this documentary was uh, typical of disinformation being put out to the masses.
1: Well, I think, you know, they, you know, they, they blanket it with the, with the concept of there's a plane that had about 280 people on it. If not a, a couple more, I think it was 277 passengers 239. and then 239, I thought it was 277. You are incorrect. Oh, so it wasn't as bad as I thought it
0: was. <laughs> yeah, that's better somehow. Um,
1: but the idea is that this this flight takes off. Um, it is followed on radar, and then it disappears. And that in in one of the truly bewildering instances in the um in the aviation industry, no wreckage of this flight is ever found. Right. Now, in in all other instances where flights have gone missing. You know, eventually pieces of a plane rise to the surface. One of the things that they do is specifically with airplane parts is they make the parts um certain parts buoyant. So that if there is a um a nautical landing, as they like to call it, which is kind of an oxymoron, if you ask me, except Captain Sully, he pulled off a nautical landing.
0: He did. That that I'll agree.
1: Nobody else ha- uh, else other than him. But it was the concept that eventually if a plane goes down into the middle of the ocean eventually there there are parts that will rise up there and for um i believe two years um there was a collective um search teams that were looking for the wreckage of this plane and it was never found it literally right. is a plane that disappeared um so what they do is they tell um they do you know they spend pretty much kind of like one episode of you know, kind of the backstory of, of what happened. And then they start presenting you with people who have different theories. One of the theories is that the pilot um, basically crashed the plane. Right. That the pilot um, distracted the co-pilot to leave the cockpit in today's post 9-11 world. Once somebody is out of the um, uh, the cockpit of a plane, it's impossible to get in because of the locks and whatnot. I can tell I already lost Ron. Um, <laughs> and then it's the idea that he basically changed the air pressure of the
0: uh, – so he, de- he, he depressurized the cabin to knock everybody de- out.
1: Correct. So everybody gets knocked out, and he basically changes the course of the plane south, flies for six hours, and eventually it lands in the South Indian Ocean. Another theory that they have a, um, a news reporter – a reporter, um, he thinks that the plane was hijacked by Russian um, commandos, and the plane was brought to Kazakhstan. Just because, ask the question of, like, why does he think this? That's and that's where I think the dangerous part of um, what you are talking about in terms of disinformation is they don't add, they never ask the question of why does this make more sense to you than the official version. That the plane just disappeared and crashed in the ocean. They never asked that question. So, you well, he even always-
0: says he's like, he does that whole thing that you see some conspiracy theorists do where it's like, listen, I get it. It sounds far fetched. And sure. I'm going to agree with you that it's far fetched. Um, but
1: but here's something but that could have happened. But it's yeah. not
0: something we can discount at this point.
1: Right. Which to me is just dangerous. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can also make the argument with the same – based on that same logic that he's putting forth, we can make it that suddenly somehow um, uh, uh, aliens came in and swooped up the airplane.
0: Far-fetched, but, it's, but you can't discount that it could have can't,
1: can't rule it out. Um, and then they speak to a French reporter who um, – her theory is that the American military blew up the airplane – in um, while well, it was in this um, dead zone for radar purposes, because it was um, it had two tons of technology that the Chinese government was stealing from the Americans.
0: Yeah, that they would just put on a uh, uh, a commercial flight because that yeah. was the easiest way to to get it back to the country.
1: Not really sure what's funny there. I mean, hundreds of people died on that plane. Um, really
0: funny, yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like the the first most probable theory they put out there is that the pilot, you know, took over the plane, flew it in a murder suicide mission. They don't really talk about the pilot at all. No, they don't really dive into his background and whatnot. why would he?
1: Why would he do something like this? They don't address it,
0: but. Two episodes later, in the middle of the third episode, they're like, oh, yeah. Uh, and then it comes out that the flight simulator that they confiscated from the pilot's basement, uh, he flew almost the same exact flight in, a, in training routes. Hold on. Did you believe that? Um, Here's the problem. The problem is, is that it took so long for that information to come out, two years before they released that information, Um, that... You know, it's tough to say, like, I will agree with the people that were like, you know, Malaysian Airlines wasn't upfront with information, the different sure. governments and agencies investigating it. And that's unfortunately like you get that some of these agencies don't want to release information while there's an ongoing investigation. Sure. But when you hold on to it for that long, that's what eventually leads to this distrust and people wanting to come sure. up with other theories and, you know, ridiculous. I mean. It's it's almost I mean, it was almost libelous the way that they threw um, accusations around at certain people, but worded it and worded it well enough where they're not going to end up getting sued. But it's like usually in a documentary, you at least see if someone says, oh, uh, maybe the plane was hijacked. All right. There's 239 people on board. If this guy saying the plane was hijacked, tell us about anyone on the plane that you sure. feel might've had a background or a possibility of hijacking sure. his plane. And none he, of the that. Literary,
1: none, none of that. None other than, Oh, look, there were three Russian people on the plane. So therefore it was the Russians. These guys who were all commando. No research on who these three guys were. Right. Um, for all we know, they were uh businessmen that were on their way to their, that uh, uh, died a tragic death. Um, I found the, um, the argument of that the, uh, um, that the Malaysian government did, was not more forthcoming with information. Um, call me ignorant or or call me gullible here but it doesn't sound like they had much information to talk about right it was i mean this plane literally vanished as far as they could tell there was one, there was um there was a small detail in uh, radar data that led them to believe that it had gone um dramatically off course had gone um severely west um you know, uh, uh, completely in the wrong direction. So that led people to believe that the captain had taken in the wrong direction. But, um, that was all the information. I, it's not as if they were like, you know, we're shifting through the black box recordings and, and didn't want to say what it was. They, they don't have information because they, they don't have the plane to, uh, to, to put together. Right. Um, I just, I, I felt that it was, um, uh, it, had it not been a true story where 200 and, 30, some odd 239. People. 239 people died. Um, this would be just an entertaining story. Like, what do you think happened here? Right. Um, but real people died and real families lost family members, and that's a tragic thing. Um, and I just think it's very um uh it, it's it's being handled in a very casual manner. Um there are family members that are gonna watch this show being like, oh maybe they maybe they've uncovered con- something that we don't know about yet. Um, and it's just going to rip open. Um, it's going to rip open some wounds and make those wounds a lot bigger. Um, speaking of rip, ripping wounds open and making them bigger, um, did you watch the uh, Jared documentary on
0: Hulu? <laughs> nice, nice transition. Yes, I agree with you, Ali. Nice transition from Brian there. Uh, <laughs> I I attempted to watch the uh, the first episode of it. I think I got about an hour through, um, and it was just. Uh, just couldn't watch it anymore. Not because it was that shocking, it was it was it was pretty darn boring is what it was.
1: It was basically it's a, a, another like much like the MH370, this is a three-part series. Basically, it is um uh, they were able to obtain the producers of this documentary, was able to, interv- um, to interview a woman who was um, uh, involved with Jared in a uh, a long distance relationship. I don't really believe that it ever got to a point where they were physically intimate, um, but she had um, ex- she he had exposed to her, not exposed himself to her. But he had exposed his interest in um, uh, uh, underage children and having sex with them. So she started to record the phone calls they had. So it seems like the producers had been able to get um, uh, uh, connected with her and she had given them copies of these uh, audio tapes. So suddenly you were able to hear Jared in his own voice talking about um, what he would like to do with underage children. It, it, some of it was really gross to have to listen to Um And at the same time, I don't believe that it added anything to the overall story of Jared. Um, You didn't learn much more about who he was or why he was this way. There really was no um, after the fact of like, you know, come, you know, coming to uh, terms with who he was or it kind of just felt this woman really wanted to um, uh, just put her story out and and have her 15 minutes of fame. Yeah,
0: it was. Yeah, I, I I was watching it and I was like, you know what? I feel Brian will get through this and will give me a heads up as to whether I need to continue or not. Not worth it. was all definitely right. not worth your time. That's all uh, That's all I've been watching. Uh, season finale of The Last of Us tonight. So I will be uh, catching up with that tomorrow. And now that all the episodes are uh, are streaming, I hope you will be uh, checking I will out. I will start watching it. All right, good to know. Good I to will know.
1: definitely start watching it.
0: Uh, last week, we talked about the state of Tennessee, how the uh, the governor was ready to sign an anti-drag bill uh, while sure. photos had surfaced uh, of him dressing in drag himself. Uh, that was just one of many multiple bills in Tennessee that targets LGBTQ people and culture. It uh, comes out this week that the lieutenant governor of Tennessee uh, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally, who also serves as Speaker of the State Senate, uh, has been frequently commenting from his verified Instagram account on shirtless photos of a gay young man. Uh, we have mm-hmm. uh, the... the uh, the uh, what was the name of the paper that that put it out there? The Tennessee Holler put it out there. Holler, um, Holler. That uh, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally, age seventy nine, uh, has left supportive and arguably flirtatious comments and emojis under risque social media photos posted by Franklin McClure, a twenty year old performer from Knoxville who goes by Franklin Superstar on social media. We'll need to give him a file uh, follow on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't a, uh, do we have to in a response to a photo of McClure dancing outside in his underwear McNally wrote quote love it with heart emojis and another mm-hmm. close up photo of McClure's backside where he's wearing what only appeared to be briefed, uh McNally wrote two comments Finn you can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine and another with hearts and fire emojis No. Uh, In another image where McClure's shorts are pulled down a little, that's that photo right here on the screen, Mm -hmm. McNally commented, Super look, Finn, which uh, is McClure's nickname according to his Facebook page. Uh, McNally posted more than 80 comments on McClure's Instagram account that date back as early as June 2020. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you... If you take uh his uh his press uh, secretary at their word saying you know he he comments supportively to all his constituents, which I'm not exactly sure if this is a constituent or not uh Probably it not. is it's it's uh it's interesting to say the least um you could question the appropriateness of his commentary um it's just interesting that this seventy nine year old uh lieutenant governor is commenting on a twenty year old's uh, thirst trap photos. Sure. I mean, what are your um, thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are this.
1: It is not shocking to me that you have um, someone who has um, denied others the rights to live a, um, an open lifestyle um, to be somehow also um, uh, leading that same lifestyle. But right. um uh, undisclosed. And once again, and one of the things that scares me is that, um, a lot of these people who are, you know, these better than those who are, um, guilty, um, aren't really fully aware of, uh, social media, how it works. Um, some of the privacy games that you can play, um, you know, uh, where you've got, uh, you know, uh, using their main account and not a burner account to like <laughs> these things. Um, um, and it's just, you know, listen, if there's nothing wrong with being who you are, but um, to sit there and, and be elected to public office so that you can take away the rights of others, meanwhile, you're doing um, these very same things, um, ultimate in
0: hypocrisy. And to me, it should be worthy of being thrown out of office. Agreed. Um, one of the more disturbing stories of the week: a uh, phony Hasidic dad who found social media acclaim for adopting nine boys has been charged with sexually abusing most of them while out on bond in an earlier child sex case. Uh, this uh, we got a photo here of this gentleman with uh, the children in question. Uh, this is Haim Nassim Cohen. Uh, age 38. He regularly blogged about his, uh, quote, unique family in Houston. Uh, He had about 200,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, He also claimed to be a Hasidic Jew from Brooklyn, despite being born Jeffrey Jeffrey Lujan Vagel uh, in Texas. Uh, He was busted last month after one of his sons went on a podcast to anonymously report being raped and abused. Ugh. So the the terrified 17-year-old boy uh, told the podcaster that he'd been sexually assaulted since he was 11 weeks after his adoption and claimed many of his brothers were also abused.
1: So fucking sad.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, Five of the other children have now also come forward uh, with Cohen facing 12 charges. Uh, The six children, ages 9, 10, 14, 15, 16, and 17, have since been taken into care uh, while three others, this is, this is interesting, three, the three other children appeared to support their dad in court.
1: Now, do you think this is a case where he was actually molesting them all, or do you think this is something where he was, you know, taking away their Nintendo uh, Switch? And therefore, this is how they're going to get back at him.
0: It's tough to say, you know, prosecutors say that he kept the kids locked in a room for most of the day, only letting them out at 4 p.m. Uh, when he would sometimes force them to perform sex acts. Allegedly, uh, one of the alleged victims, now 16, said Cohen would pepper spray him if he refused to give in. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting that you have six claiming abuse and three yeah. defending him. Um I mean, the the interesting question is, you know, I mean, from the religious standpoint, you know, being adopted into what would appear to be an Orthodox Jewish family. Mm -hmm. You know, was that the was that the religion of the children before he adopted them or did they have to convert? And is that something that possibly
1: adopting Jewish boys?
0: All right. Yeah. Yeah. But if it is being part of that orthodox Jewish lifestyle, which can be very restrictive um, is, you know, is this potentially causing these kids to claim something that didn't happen? I mean, the fact that he was already out on bail for another sex abuse case. Yeah. Makes it seem like he probably did it.
1: Uh, yeah. I would. I would I, my, my, my instinct is that he's guilty. Right. But at the end of the day, it's not like it's not up to me to decide innocence or guilt. Um, it is, um, you know, up to the prosecutor and a jury and a judge. Um, unfortunately, at this point, I'm just going to say um, just really a, just a terrible story.
0: Yeah. One, one of the worst ones we've had in uh, in quite a while, to say the least.
1: Now, Ron, you were telling me how a lot of Orthodox Jews were moving into your neighborhood.
0: Uh Yeah. Yes, we have a we have a new school that uh, that opened up here uh, recently. In fact, they were having their opening ceremony earlier today up the road.
1: So that's such a wonderful thing. It is. Um, no, I Ron, think the, today
0: the well, diversity of my neighborhood sure. is one of the I things mean, that keeps us here.
1: It's one of the things I love about your neighborhood is that hate has no home there. Um, Ron, are you yeah. excited? Are you excited? Tonight is the one hundred and forty third Oscars, the Academy Awards. Are you um, uh, excited for them? They should be kicking off any moment now.
0: I mean, I think that did they start at eight or did they start at nine? I mean, I am, no you know, we, we always, we sacrifice red carpet coverage uh, every Oscar season to be here preparing and doing this podcast. Um, and that's, really the, that's really the part I miss the most.
1: Um, it looks like Jamie Lee Curtis has won for everything oh, good. everywhere all at once. Did you see that movie? I did. Yes. How was it? I never I never heard of it until just recently.
0: I mean, it was a good movie. It is it is very much out there. It's one of those movies where, you know, you watch it and you're still not 100 percent sure what you watched by the end of it. Like it's a it's a kind of a sci fi multiverse type storyline. So it's it's a little hard to follow. But Jamie Lee Curtis was excellent at it. Um, No doubt.
1: Now, was she better in this or was she better in the, the Cutting Knives movie that she did um, for Netflix?
0: <laughs> knives Out. I mean, knives she, was, out. There we she go. was good in Knives Out. I would say she was even better in uh, in this movie.
1: How does she rate here to when she played um, uh, in Halloween?
0: Um, you know, I think uh, her acting skills have come a long way since Halloween. So I would say now- better in this.
1: If you had to compare her in this movie to when she was in Halloween 2, how would you? Um,
0: probably would you, very, you probably very from? similar.
1: Now, if you had to compare her to Halloween. Gotta
0: stop. Sorry, hated to cut you off there. All to I can you. say is um, if Brendan Fraser doesn't win best actor for The Whale, it's completely bogus.
1: Now, here's the question. Why yeah. do any of us give a shit for the Oscars um, after what they did to Chris Rock a year ago?
0: Um, <laughs> I
1: actually will not be watching any of the Oscars. Um, I know that we're going to be doing um, After Dark in a half an hour. Right. Um, for our Patreon subscribers at the bronze level or higher, jump on board right now if you are not um, you'll be able to live stream at least thirty minutes of additional material that we don't think is ready for the for the live show. It's not appropriate for the kids. Sure. If you know what I'm getting at, um, uh, go to our website podcast dot com. Click the link in the upper right hand corner for as little as five dollars a month. Um, you will help support the show. The money goes to Ron and I. We take that money, reinvest it into the show. It goes to offset some of the ongoing costs that we incur to keep this show going every week, week in, week out for you,
0: for me, for you.
1: Um, and we'll be doing that in a half an hour from now, but, um, You know, just I I am still bitter. And it has nothing to do with having seen the Chris Rock comedy special uh, a week ago. Oddly, he waited for uh, like one year jogging. Yeah, a little bit of timing. But um, the idea that they allowed um, an actor to get on stage and physically assault um, a presenter, turn around, walk back to his chair – and um, not face any repercussions for the next hour and a half while he sat there waiting to receive his best actor award, then get up there and give a speech like nothing's happened. Right. And, you know, he's had a life of adversity. And, uh, you know, uh, he he gets his, you you guys really love me speech. Meanwhile, he just assaulted someone um, right in front of your eyes. And um, the fact that they've, they, have you know, they wait until asked for the Oscars after he had gotten his award for the Academy to do something about it. I I, I intend to never watch the
0: Oscars again. Very problematic, without a doubt. Uh, One thing we haven't talked about in a while, Brian, it's stonks. Stonks. So we all know Jim Cramer from CNBC, host of Mad Money. Uh, Bye, bye, bye. So he's uh, taking some flack this week because just a month ago he had uh, he had encouraged people to invest in that Silicon Valley bank that you discussed sure. during your beef of the week that crashed. Well, now um, there is an ETF uh, that will let investors bet against Jim, Jim Cramer's stock picks. Um, you can actually kind of hedge your bets a little bit. There is one ETF. It's called the Inverse Cramer Tracker ETF where you can bet against the Mad Money host. Um, And then there is another one where you can actually follow his picks. It's called the Long Kramer Tracker ETF. Um, You can purchase those. Do you have the stock symbols for these ETFs, Brian? I do not. God damn it. I'm sorry. Uh, Brian, you are a longtime detractor of Jim Kramer. What What is your thoughts on this?
1: I believe Jim Cramer is—he is, um, uh, he is uh, how do I say this? He is an actor who ha- plays a role of a stock, um, uh, how do I say, it? A, a stock advisor on public uh, television. Um, however, I don't believe that his—you uh, know—he sits there and tells you what you should buy and what you should sell, and it's very theatrical. You know, there's there's noises; he hits uh, uh, horns. Um, and, and you're supposed to sit there and he's like, bye, pie. pie. <laughs> and then he's supposed to be like, no, 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 no. Sell, sell, sell. And then, um, and somehow like you're supposed to make money doing it. Um, and the one thing that people have, uh, uh, you know, put together the pieces of the puzzle is that he doesn't know anything about what he's talking about. He has no better ratio of hitting winners than Ron stunk daddy. Um, and, uh, and as such, it's, it's, um, uh, to sit there and see that somebody is going out and openly mocking his inability to guess correctly. I'm saying let's best, let, let's put some money in it.
0: All right. Um, so we have, I mean, we have some money burning a hole in our account over at Schwab. It's been uh, a little... Uh, dicey for us. So right sure. now, let's uh let's get some prices here. Uh, so we've got the the S J I M is the inverse kramer tracker. Currently, so you you do well when he he does poorly. When he does poorly, uh, so it opened at uh, a little under twenty five dollars when they opened this back uh, last week. Uh, currently trading at twenty five dollars and forty seven cents. So Mm -hmm. up about 2%. Uh, Let me see if we've got a price on the LGIM. Hold on here.
1: Hello there. So now the LGIM, Now that's for people that want to bet
0: with his stock picks. Correct. That one uh, also opening up. uh, Let me see here. That was opened up around the same. A little bit higher. It actually opened up around $26 a share. Mm -hmm. Now down to 24 dollars and two cents down 7.3 percent in the past five days so early on uh if you had bet against jim kramer you would have made some money
1: yes yeah, so we may uh i i may put some money in this
0: all right um can bar, we bar, get, bar, bar. sorry can we get in one more story before we get out of here of course we can and so i, I This is a, uh, for me, for me, going on a vacation, this is a terrifying story. It is about a Hawaii snorkeling company uh, that allegedly uh, left a couple alone in the ocean. Um, The couple is now suing this, uh, this tour company. For I Quite think it's so. five million dollars, but uh, you know, obviously, they took one of these excursions while they were mm-hmm. honeymooning out in Hawaii. They went out into uh, the ocean with a group of people, um, sure. and they were the, the boat left without them. Um, they were left out there. They literally had to swim to shore at whatever mm-hmm. island they were close to, and then a local loaned them a cell phone so they could uh, so that they could call the tour company and have somebody come and pick them up but i mean that is like that's movie horror movie storyline right there like that would just like that's i i do these excursions we've been snorkeling a couple times when we've been on vacation mm-hmm. i i would say that is easily one of like my biggest fears that they just right. kind of like leave us behind
1: wow that's pretty um so you've gone snorkeling
0: correct i have i've done it a few times yes
1: can you walk me through how, like, okay, my question? This is going to sound incredibly ignorant. Sure. How do you not drown snorkeling? Because my understanding is it's a mouth thing that's right. just hooked to a little tube that's supposed right. to go, that stays above water.
0: It does, yes. So, I mean, basically, you know, you can do two things. I mean, one thing you can do, like we did snorkeling uh, with the uh, the sea turtles down in Mexico. Like mm-hmm. that, the, the snorkel allows you to like put your face underwater and kind of look down there while you're breathing above the water. Now, if you want to dive down, what you do is you take a breath and then you you, you basically, you know, dive underwater, holding your breath, mm-hmm. and then you come back up so you can breathe again. So you can't. The snorkel does not allow you to stay under like scuba, deer do, scuba, uh, scuba gear does.
1: So you're not actually swimming underwater for the most part when you go snorkeling,
0: right? You can go for short periods, however long you can hold your breath. But it's mostly, you know, you can you can also swim along the top of the water and look down while you know being able to breathe with through your uh, through your your breathing tube. Uh,
1: that's my. I have such a um, a visceral fear of drowning. And I say visceral in the sense of, it just feels like that's how I'm going to go out. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't like, I don't think I'm going to get hit by a car and die that way. Okay. I don't feel like I'm going to, um, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, make something up, but something about drowning, just, I do feel connected with it somehow. And it scares the death of me. Cause people say, it's a terrible way to
0: die. Yeah, I can't imagine it's good. Like I've gotten like I've gotten water in my mouth and started to choke a bit while while snorkeling. And uh, yeah, I can't even imagine dying that way. I'm sure it would be horrific. Uh terrible one last story uh, i do like this one uh going down to maryland a maryland mother had allegedly assaulted a 12 year old girl she accused of bullying her daughter after she was uh let into the school and uh, just went straight for the student uh kelly right. static age 41 gained entry into aberdeen middle school about 8:15 a.m on tuesday using the intercom but instead of going to the office she headed to a classroom along with her daughter uh, mm-hmm. a verbal confrontation ensued uh, and then at one point, the mother placed her hands on the child, grabbing them in an effort to continue the conversation uh, until a teacher intervened. Uh, police said that the the mother left a, quote, pretty nice sized red mark and bruise on the girl's arm. So now people, people obviously parents are up in arms that this parent was just able to go into the school and uh, get into a classroom and basically physically assault the student.
1: Yeah, but she was also not armed.
0: But what if she had been?
1: Uh, That's not the point.
0: (laughs) is she wasn't an angry teenager. Um, So she has been charged with uh, second degree assault and trespassing. Uh, The father of the the girl that was assaulted said, quote, she could have had a weapon. She could have had anything. Uh, That's the most frightening part about her.
1: Jesus, that is just. Some oh, scary and Allie's stuff. saying
0: she's proud of that. That's that's not behavior to be proud
1: of. That's not all right. That is just not okay. Yeah, not okay at all. Yeah. Um.
0: Oh, no, no, not at all. All right. Well, uh, I think uh, I think we get ready for after dark. Um, yep. I think uh, I think we we work on our energy level. We see how high up. I mean, how what on a scale of one to ten, where do you think, uh, Brian, you started this show at? I would say I started at a eight. I think I'm Janelle agrees with you. Janelle said you started as at an eight as well. And then um, I think
1: I had a good transition and I think I finished, um, you know, uh, I think I finished close to about a, you know, a a seven. I'm also Janelle's not surprised. She also feels that.
0: Yeah. Um, also, you know, on uh, on After Dark, I want to talk about the uh, the Ozzy Osbourne uh, police car that I purchased. Um, I think it's going to be a, a unique piece to have. Uh, oh, Janelle's excited. She said, get ready for Sabbath <laughs> sirens. It's like she knew. I mean, she commented that minutes ago. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's good. It's the tequila, without a doubt. I love it. Um, I love it. Anyway, this has been episode 248. Uh, we are just yes. a couple weeks away from episode 250. Um, we're, we're trying to put some special things together for 250. It's going to okay. be a good time. Here's the question. Yes. And I just had this thought. Um, do we do an extra long episode for episode 250?
1: Oh, you're saying maybe skip after dark and just keep going.
0: I'm saying maybe you know yeah push push the pajama party to the first Sunday in in uh, in April and then we do like a two hour podcast. I'm good with that. All right, I think we I think we uh, we look to do that. Make it a, a mega special, mega special, Jerry. Mm, all right. Well, let's go get right. right Let's go. I'm going to I'm
1: going to get a little bit more. I have to, to go pull, up. I, I'm going to go change my shirt and put a little tie on.
0: You're going to wipe off the back sweat, too. Oh. Oddly, there's no back sweat right now. All right, good to know. Good to know. Thank well, you. uh Patreon folks, uh we will see you in 20 minutes. Everybody yep. else, we will catch you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at com. See you again next
1: week.